Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah. I love my HBCU. And boy. I love it, love it. I love it, love it. I love my HBCU. And man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. Man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. 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 I tune into the HCCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouth. But if they won, she tap. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, yeah. he know what he be talking about. Talking Mike about. and Charles, Talk. they know what they be talking about. Yeah. Talking they about. compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot of who the ball. So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir. And pay attention, Boy. cause he gon' teach a lesson. Yes. This is Dr. Cavill with Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Man, the brothers back in the studio. It's good to have y'all back moving around after um, a good break. Um, you all traveling on the road, spending time with your family. Got to talk to you, but I'll ask you officially on air. I hope you had uh, a good turkey day is what I'll call it. Charles, House was yours? Oh, it was phenomenal. Got an opportunity to go back home to Jackson, spend time with family. And I uh, had a lot of friend, family and friends uh, in town and, uh, Always uh, get an opportunity to play a little golf with the guys I grew up with. That's a fun time. So, uh, well, uh, much needed break. Worked on a little schoolwork as well. So, uh, it, it was fun, but it was busy. <laughs> <laughs> with that being said, did you get to keep your uh, wallet in your pocket? Uh, Barely. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> Mike, so far, you so have good. Lucky? Yeah. Were you as lucky on Friday and Cyber Monday and all this Sunday? Spend all your money. Oh yeah, bar- barely. Uh, I'm like CB. Bar- I barely kept. I-, I put a chokehold on my wallet. I was like, uh-uh. <laughs> so, uh, no, my Thanksgiving was great. Either I had a chance to play a little golf with the boys. Uh, was on the road uh, to a place where, where family gathered together, uh, not too far off the beach, but uh, about three or four days of relax relaxation and it was good had to work a little bit but it wasn't bad so uh, man. so man there's something about being saying you had the beach you heard that y'all? Yeah, yeah i did yeah he kind of slipped that in there didn't he? <laughs> yeah you yeah. playing off somebody it was all right okay i guess it was you get to feel <laughs> the beach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh yeah you know it 
He coming from Brazil. They need in the beach. I mean, hey, it's good. We got, to we got to think about our career paths. It's something, <laughs> something different. It, it is good to be Mike Washington. I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so, gentlemen, it's good to hear that you're back. Shout out to all the lab listeners. You know, again. Uh, those that were able to jump on and see us on uh, Turkey Day, I appreciate you. And we shouted you out then. Those that had a chance to watch it afterwards, uh, good stuff. And for those that came up and got us on Sunday morning, it's good to have you back in the lab. I want to shout you out. It's big time week now. Hey, there's only a couple of more HBCU football games, literally, to see how we close out things. And it starts this weekend with the SWAC championship game. SG, SCG for short. With that being said, we have some tough news uh, out there, at least in the coaching land. Grandma State announces change in the leadership of football program. This is coming straight from the Grandma State website. The Grandma State University Department of Athletics and Dr. Travion Scott have announced a change in leadership of the GSU football program. Head coach Hugh Jackson has been relieved of his duties effective immediately. We want to thank Coach Jackson on his contributions to the GSU football program. We wish him well as his tenure, his full future endeavors, end quote, said by Dr. Scott. Quote, this was not an easy decision to make, but one that we felt was necessary to move the program forward. The goal at GSU is to compete for championships every year. As we move forward, we will intentionally in finding the right person to lead the program back to his rightful place is one of the top programs in this country, end quote. Co-offensive coordinator John Simon has been elevated to the interim head coach and will assume day-to-day operations of the football program. A national search for a new head coach will commence immediately. With that being said, I'll go back to you, Mike. Any thoughts that you want to share on this announcement? Yeah. Um, whenever you make a, whenever you make a, a coaching change like that, um, th- there's a couple of things. It's it's drastic. That means things have come to a head, and the organization has made a decision that this will not go further. The my second thing is who next now? You know, you know we we've had a you know four or five coaches with NFL experience. You know, the and some seemingly work differently than others depending on the organization. Um, here was Hugh Jackson, you know, coming in with some experience, didn't quite work out. Who next? What what's the pedigree? What are what is Gramley looking for for that culture? And then number three, you know, you know, to Hugh Jackson, he's had a couple of stints. Um, and you know, you could you can argue, well, he's done well here or not done as well here. You know, what's next for him? You know, where does he go next? Uh so those three questions are really kind of just burning in my mind. Where does he go next? And then second, you know, who next for Grambling? What would they look for in that culture? Um, If you look at the coach that was before him, you know, kind of a different coach, different approach. So what's next for the Grambling culture going forward? Charles? Uh, I think the immediate thing that jumps out for me is how much did the crime effect uh, take a toll on the conference in regards to how you view your program, especially within a three-year window. Uh, I think that's a, a tough question to ask. I thought Grambling, for the most part, looked a little better this year. They definitely had a uh, a ground game that was uh, very worthy. Got an opportunity to see them up close in the State Fair class with Purview. 
Uh, but, um, you know, it, it's always a tough decision, especially when you think a team is, you know, close to turning the corner, but that, but hasn't done it yet. Uh, I, I, I will say this, Hugh Jackson, uh, for his part, always amenable with the, with the, with the media, uh, always available, things of that nature. So, uh, it's a tough decision, but, uh, for that program, you know, they, they, they expect to compete for championships year in, year out. And I'm not sure how much of a toll does that put on grandma football. Yeah, exactly. yeah I heard you say that and heard some other people say that, and he said that in there. I, I hate to announce this to people, that that expectation in this new configuration of SWAC expansion, that's done. Mm. Yeah. That is done. That is a world of generations ago, mm. you think that you're going to compete in this conference every year for a championship. No. That is done. But can a fan be... And, and it begs the question is, why would I say that? Because you have at least nine to ten schools in this conference that are serious on the football side about trying to be competitive and win championships. So just by the definition of the formula your ability about this new era with transfer students um, the changing of the money associated with NIL your ability to build programs is going to be significant I'm not saying you can't do that but to think that you can do that consistently year out of year you're out of your mind if you think that is real I'm not saying the fans can't have their own expectation. But the problem you don't understand is you're not the only fan base. You're not the only athletic director. You're not the only president, chancellor out there trying to do that. So what you're going to do is create an arms race and the financial status of being able to do these coaches in this position. You think that you see an arm race? Um, at the other that, level, you're going to see that mimic that, in its own way at the HBCU level. That's why I asked. I guess that's why I asked. What's next for them? You know, you know what's 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 next for they? They gonna, gonna do what they gonna do what Texas Southern. They gonna do what? Yeah, Pine Bluff did last year. What Valley had to do because somebody left. They gonna do what these programs. They gonna is, do what Southern it, trying to do. They gonna do yeah. but just no guarantee that you won't get the right coach. They got to play each other. That's that, 50 of just one division. By definition, you're not going to beat all them teams consistently every year because everybody's no. trying. At, at what point does a, at what point does an athletic director not have a, a human nature approach to the emails that come flooding in after a loss? I mean, I, it, I think it, they, I think they, I think they are. I'm not saying that it won't change things. I'm not saying that people's expectation won't change. I won't say that. But you're going to see this carousel of coaching. You're going to see what's taking place. Yeah. You're going to see this as a more regular approach than what happens in the SWAC. Because of the fervor, the celebration bowl, all that's at edge, all that's going to happen in regards to what that looks like. Uh, it's tough. It's tough. I yeah. don't envy uh, athletic directors' positions in terms of of how the uh, or what what are the metrics in terms of, of oh, getting you, to the you're next point? You're gonna see point. them churn as well, Charles. It's gonna get mm. back on them. They are gonna churn too. You're not yeah. gonna see these long 
establish ADs in any place anymore. It's going to turn. And I can tell mm -hmm. you one thing. Watch what I said. You don't have to believe what I said. Watch it. Watch sure. it the next five years and come back and talk to me and be like, hey, yeah. No, I just pay attention and research and read this. I know what's gonna happen. If the sure. expectation and the only good don't don't get tripped because this expansion stuff is gonna happen too. Don't let the, the conference expand again. It's gonna get worse. Because the stakes yeah. gonna go up and you're gonna have more numbers of folks That's, crying. So yeah. it's not done. <laughs> it's not done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. the nature, but, but but yeah, but in in this culture that we have, you you throw in the transfer portal, you throw in the competitiveness, you throw in. I keep asking the question: was it was two years enough with this Grambling culture? Maybe I'll ask it that way. Was two years well, enough? I, 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 I don't. I, that's the great question, and the problem you have with that question is we're not intimately involved in the Grambling culture. I want right. to be very clear on that nor are we in the Southern culture. So I'm not even saying the decision they made was wrong. And that's what people get confused. Right. Because mm -hmm. I'm saying what is the nature of the output. I'm not saying your decision is wrong. Because if you got the wrong person, you can't wait and make the change. But then it begs the difference in terms of what kind of decisions are you making to get the wrong person? Yep. What is involved in your situation that didn't allow the coach to have a success because oftentimes we just want to put it on the coach but all, all the resources really there for the success in this hyper competitive component and are you going to be able to do that with the next individual unless you're just going to get magic and strong let me ask this question dr bill is is there a way to temper fan expectations no nah, no nah, it's over we didn't jump over the rubicon it's yeah over. Uh, it yeah. is what it is it, yeah, and that's why I'm yeah. not mad in terms of saying that they shouldn't do it. Sure. I want to be very extremely clear. This is the way of life now moving forward. Yeah, we've yeah. jumped over that Rubicon, and it's our understanding and expectation. And like I said, all this is going to do is drive up the price of a head coach because yeah. now the demand is going up, and we know simple business of supply. There's not enough coaches out there oh. at that pedigree that you want in terms of supply. So their um, salary is going to go up. And you know what happened when their salary is going to go up? People's demand and Man, their expectation expectations grow. Right. It's yeah. going to go up. Right. Which is going to create what I'm telling you, the churn. It's yeah. going to flip. It's, it's simple in terms of the equation. So if we really look for what it is, we know what's going to take place. And then yep. the more successful coaches have, they're going to move on their own because they're going to try to do what? They're going to try to stay ahead of their own curve. Uh, yep. Now you really got to have a system of what it means to replace the coaches. Well, yep. see, if I'm a coach, I have to come in and say, listen, fan base, you have they to give work. me X number of time to yeah, make sure we get work. this right. Coach, they're going to be all excited. <laughs> they're going to say yes for well, the first time. Yeah. What they see as the bad call <laughs> The offense is not doing as well as they expect. They see a backup quarterback they think is better than the starting quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They see a defensive player that can't tackle, even though you just spent these hours teaching them. They don't like they the plays you, you call them. They're going to swear that mm. this kid they went to this other school was supposed to sign with your school, even though you know when you went and offered the kid, the kid said, 
no, I'm going over here, period. They don't right. get all that. They go, all they gonna know is that you not winning at the clip they want you to win. So it's over. Don't worry about it. So now don't try to don't no. They coach ain't gonna be like that. <laughs> and then you got the problem is is it's gonna be a percentage of the population, no matter who you bring in, they ain't gonna like it. No, that's very true. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yeah. It can be the perfect. It don't matter. It can be Nick Saban. They'd be like, man, why are we bring Nick Saban over here? We can't afford him. You know, he he can't operate in this. He doesn't know the swag. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, he don't yeah. know the swag. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he can't bring yeah. all his coaches with him. Etc. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Et yeah. So let me close out on this. Bayou Classic had a better attendance at, uh, than the FCS playoff games combined from Clutch again. <laughs> Uh, the Bayou Classic, 50th annual Bayou Classic, was 64,698. This is old news, as we know. All eight FCS playoff games combined to draw 42,653. Y'all know this. I just said it. Put it on the record. That being yeah. said, we're going to take our first break, come back on the other side. Uh, we'll get into some more talk. We'll get into some superlatives in terms of some players in the next segment as we get to moving. We'll start breaking down the game. But look at it from a defensive perspective. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. If you think all pads are exactly the same, think again. This is always Ultra Thin's reinvented with the always triple protection system. This pad wicks gushes 90% faster, absorbs even more so you can feel dry, and locks odors in. Rethink your pad for up to 100% leak-free and odor-free comfort with the totally reinvented Always Ultra Thins. This is always like never before. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Pika in downtown Atlanta. Them belly full, but we hungry. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Oh, we've got a Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock in downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992 or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, authentic Caribbean cuisine. As technology continues to press the analytic data with your hip hop, if you know them like I know them, they're gonna tell you if your team, if they wanna love that, and who the ball, So listen to Professor, yes sir, and pay attention, cause he gonna teach a lesson. Sports Lab, and we have the SWAC football championship game. 3 o'clock Central Time, 4 o'clock Eastern Time on ESPN2. Prairie View A&M comes in. Tallahassee, Florida. Swack Major Division Game of the Week. I guess that was pretty easy, right? Bragg Memorial Stadium. As I said, Saturday, December 2nd. You have number four, Prairie View A&M Panthers sitting at 6-5, 6-2. Six six at number one, Florida A&M Rattlers, 10-1, 8-0. In terms of this matchup, one versus four. Gentlemen, I want to break this down by segments of the team. So, obviously, many people say defense wins championships. 
So I believe we need to start right there. Let's start on the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to go with you, Prairie View. I mean, I'm going to go with you, Mike, first, to look at Prairie View uh, in terms of their defensive framework. And then I'm going to come to you, Charles, and then get your thoughts on defense for Prairie View. Well, let me, let me start off by saying that in the last three or four games, the Prairie View defense has stepped up big. One of the weak sides of their of their defense is, and everybody knows this is no secret, has been a secondary. Uh, teams have, have beat them uh, with the passing. Their secondary has stepped up. Prairie View is like number 10 in defense in the SWAC, allowing 30 points a game. And if you break that down, most of that is passing yardage. So that is one thing that going into this game, Prairie View is going to have to either they're going to have to put a lot of pressure on Musa, make him hurry up, uh, make him uncomfortable to take a little bit of the pressure off the secondary of Prairie View A&M, which has stepped up big, but has still been probably if there's any weak component of their defense, it has been the secondary. Uh, I think that uh, the linebackers for Prairie View, which are a strong unit, are going to have to step up and make Musa uncomfortable to t- alleviate a lot of that pressure off the defensive back for Prairie View A&M University. So uh, that's the one thing that stands out to me. Number two, the last time these two teams played, um, if you look at it, I mean, the the balance by FAMU, I think passing, they had all just under 300 yards, 453 yards of total offense, both pa- both passing and running the ball. So, again, if – and I say that to say that if Prairie View can also put enough pressure on Musa to make this a one-dimensional game, meaning they can only run, then Prairie View has a strong shot as well. So that's my initial analysis of it. Charles, to you, I want to go to the same question. I want you to look at uh, Prairie View's defense uh, from your perspective. What do you see uh, Prairie View looking like in this matchup? Uh, defensively, over the past three games, they've been playing lights out uh, football. Uh, the, the game against Arkansas Pine Bluff jumps out uh, in terms of uh, allowing, I believe, only 12 yards passing the entire game. Uh, they shut out Southern. Uh, when you take a look at what they did with Southern in the second half, I believe uh, six drives, only 30 yards, things of that nature. Uh, and in those games, I thought it was the front four uh, that really did a, a bang-up job in terms of, uh, of of making the quarterback uncomfortable. When you talk about guys like Derek Ray, Jamal Marshall, Calvin Presley, Darren Vasquez, Miles McCainy. Uh, and, and you mentioned the, the guys like Warren Shank and Keyshawn Johnson. They've all done a tremendous job uh, in terms of of keeping things in front of them. Uh, I've said for quite some time now, I, I think uh, the key to to, to knocking off FAMU, I don't think it's any secret, you got to put some hands on Jeremy Moosey uh, because I, I don't yeah. think FAMU's running game uh, is something that scares you. They've been effective, uh, but they, they don't have a thousand-yard rush. I think, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, uh, uh their output, their their leading rusher is somewhere around 400 some odd yards. So what, uh, Terrell Jennings, Jennings. Terrell Jennings, yeah, Terrell okay. Jennings is somewhere around yeah. uh, 400 some odd yards. So I, I think that's going to be key. They're, they've got to figure out a way to get to Moose because if he has time back there, he, he yeah. carves up secondaries. I mean, that's that's who he is. He isn't. He is a swag offensive player of the year for a reason. So in, in some manner, you you've got to figure out a way 
to dial it up at the right time and make him uncomfortable back there. Uh, but I, I think there's a couple other things that have really jumped out for me with regards to Prairie View. Uh, the times that they've been, they haven't broken. Uh, and, and that jumps out for me. And I think that's going to be one of those, you know, little little nuances if you look at in this game. If they can figure out a way to make FAMU uh, settle for uh, field goals inside the red zone, it's going to go a long way. Good stuff. Let me stay with you, Charles. Let's look at it from the FAMU perspective. What do you see with this defense? Obviously, people know the numbers. They've been stout. They, you know, lead the league in terms of defense. And a lot of ways, that's really where uh, they – Butter the bread, if you would. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fabius defense has played lights out football, and I don't think it's any secret. Uh, I think the the, <laughs> the, the motor uh, behind the engine of Prairie View's offense is running game. And when you can stop Caleb Johnson, Maude Antoine, Ronald Young, Jamarius Brooks, because they do have a four-headed monster, and, they, and those running backs all are very good at running in between the tackles. They can bounce it out. They catch balls out of the backfield. Uh, they all have a, a unique set in terms of being Swiss Army knives. They can do a little bit of everything. I think, But I think the key is for uh, a family to be able to stop and, uh, stop previews running game and force Trazon into throwing the football. Very interesting stat, five out of previews, six wins. Uh, Trazon has not attempted more than 20 pass attempts. And I think that mm. that tells you a lot about uh, when Prairie View is humming on offense. Uh, they'll get those chunk plays, uh, but it's not necessarily a lot of pass attempts from Trayvon Kyle. Mm, great point, man. We should say mm. that a little bit for the offense. Stand <laughs> it's so good uh-huh. you had to put it in there. Mike, what do you think thoughts about FAMU in terms of that defense? I I think I think uh, Chuck kind of kind of hit it on the nail. Their defense is is very solid, uh, without question. Um, I think you know the being tops in the league, they allow fourteen points, what fourteen points, fifteen points per game, uh, and that's tops in the league. So that goes without saying. I think the teams that have done well uh, against FAMU uh, at times, you can you, you, Southern even have had basically a mixed bag of offensive plays meaning they mixed the pass with the run uh they kept the FAMU uh defense jumping a little bit and made them guessing spread them out at times a little bit and I think that's how you have a good time but FAMU in this case will have to if they're pacing Prairie View they will have to do them just like they did the last time if you look at the last game they played they basically made Prairie View a one-dimensional team and 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 what do I mean by that well, if you look at Conley, Conley only had uh, 90 yards passing. So basically they relegated Prairie View down to running, uh, running the ball. So, you know, and that's key. You make a team one-dimensional and, you know, you pretty much, you know, that's half the that's half the starting and winning the game. They have a very good linebacking or solid uh, defensive line up front and a linebacking core. And I, I think that's the key. They're balanced across the board and it will be very hard. So, Prairie View, as they face that, will have to spread them out, keep them guessing a little bit. I don't know what they're feeding them boys in FAMU, but they just seem to keep putting linebackers, defensive ends, or whatever you want to call it, at least on the defensive side of the ball. And if you look at it overall, first-team defense, FAMU yeah. has three players on that side of the ball, and Prairie View doesn't have either. But as a team, as you said, Prairie View has got it done, especially of late, uh, to their credit. Um, Isaiah Major. Defensive player of the year in terms of what it looks like on that side of the ball. The other thing is fascinating when you talk about 
these thoughts here is that um, we always look at it in terms of the East and West. That last weekend was a big test in, um, in regards to the West teams in their matchups against the East. And you basically had, you know, two and three, if you would, top teams, one, two, and three, uh, facing each other in terms of East-West. And you finally got the West getting the best of the East, which I thought was interesting with Prairie View over Alabama State and Alcorn over Jackson State. So it's interesting. Now it didn't include all, uh, FAMU, but uh, overall was nine wins for the West and 11 for the East, which is most closer than it was the last two years. I don't think that was significant. That last win against Alabama State, because hey. when I take a look at FAMU's defense and Alabama State's defense, very similar, yeah. very similar. And for uh, Prairie View to be able to uh, kind of stick to that game plan and pound the rock. And, and one of the things I, I don't take for granted, Prairie View's offensive line, they're veteran, they're nasty. And over the past three games, they've been playing some really good Football, so I like the I like the matchup with with previous offensive line going up against this very very stout band of defense. I, I, All right, I, let's I, take our next I, break, and then we'll come back on the other side and get into a little bit of the poll rankings. We freeze in Division Two, but I won't reshow it. We will get a chance to come back on the other side and get more into the offensive side of the ball and talk about that perspective uh, in terms of both teams. With that being said, we'll be right back after this break. As technology continues to bring changes to the world of education, it's time we also reimagine teacher professional development. Gone are the days of one-size-fits-all learning that can only be accessed at a specific time and place. The Stride PD Center is an on-demand library of mobile-friendly courses that allow educators to learn anytime and anywhere. Our dynamic courses provide bite-sized learning and help educators advance their knowledge while also gaining professional development hours. The best professional development plans are those that include a level of flexibility and choice for educators. Whether you're a teacher, school, or district, visit us today to take charge of your learning. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvay. Compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want to lot yeah. and who the ball, So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes, sir. and pay attention, because he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill with Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Watson and Charles Bishop. As we get into it, uh, this is the mid-major Football top seven poll rankings in week number 13 is pretty obvious. The Benedict Tigers uh, will be the champion. Uh, but we do have some changes, as you see, in the top seven. Uh, basically, um, you have in the top 10 rankings for Fort Valley State. But for this week, we have what we call a frozen ranking. Everything stayed the same in week 13. 
So we'll follow this out because we do have at the end of the, the year, we have the addition of the Beach Bowl uh, that will be played this year, which will feature uh, Fort Valley State out of the SIC uh, versus Johnson C. Smith Golden Bulls. So if you would, you can go ahead and show the next slide that talks about that matchup there in the bowl game, Roy, um, where we have number five versus number 10 in that matchup uh, of what that looks like. So just wanted to give an update that it is frozen. And so from that perspective, um, giving you an update there. Any thoughts quickly on that matchup, Charles? Oh, it should be a fun game between uh, uh, Johnson C. Smith and Fort Valley State, very deserving teams in terms of uh, getting a bowl uh, opportunity. But uh, I think the pro poll proved that Benedict was uh, by far and away one of the best teams in Division II football. Do you think Fort Valley, does the CIAA, SIEC, Obviously, you have Fort Valley ranked lower in terms of what they do this season. Uh, last couple of seasons, the CIAA has seemed to have more of the top 10 top teams in it. SIC, mm -hmm. historically, a lot of folks look at that as more of the football league. Uh, is this any indication in terms of a shift if Fort Valley can get this done? Are you still looking at the CIAA uh, being the tougher of the two leagues? Where are you with that? That's tough. Uh... <laughs> because CIAA has definitely afforded themselves over the past few years. So, I, uh, yeah, I, I think you can make a good hard argument. CIAA uh, ain't just a basketball conference, uh, as many people might think. So, I, you know, I, I think Johnson C. Smith, they can, they can go in and get something done here. Mike, let me ask you that question first. CIAA, SIAC, where are you leaning to the power of the football? Is that going to come in any way? You know, you have <laughs> – John C. Smith ranked as five, and they're representing the CIAA. They're out of that South, where people have some question with. Uh, no longer do you have really divisions in terms of the SIEC. Previously, uh, Fort Valley State, that would have been in what you call the East Division. They're only ranked 10 in my rankings here. As we Again, we've frozen this week. But uh, CIAA, SIEC, where are you looking at in terms of the best football rank? I, I still lean to the SIEC as as the foot, stronger football conference. Um, Johnson C. Smith did have some quality wins. They had you know five wins. I you know I, uh, who they beat Livingstone. I think they beat you know uh, Lincoln and a couple of others. But if you look at quality of wins, you look at where S you know you look at where uh Fort Valley fell this year in the in the uh SIEC it was right below Benedict we said it was Benedict and everybody else but in a close you know second you have at least Fort Valley in the mention uh beating Kentucky State uh they beat Allen which is also somewhere in the top 10 and they have other quality wins so I still lean toward the SIEC sorry um it'll be a good bowl it'll be a good game for both but I lean toward the SIC and there's Benedict and then everybody else. Good stuff. As I said, this week is frozen, so we won't get into the breaking down as we usually in the top seven. You see them there. No changes, one through seven. Benedict Tigers at the top of the poll, ranked number one. With that being said, we'll take our next break. We'll come back on the other side and come back. And let's talk a little bit about the offensive side of the ball for this SWAT championship matchup in 2023. Stick with us, B. Right back after this break. 
When you're looking for the latest information on Southern University sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU athletics, there's only one place to go. Tune in to the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. You see, Head & Shoulders has scalp shield technology, protects against flakes even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. We're never not working. Number 15? That's my rub. Ooh, nice. Never not working. Never, ever, never, ever not working. Welcome, everybody, to Juneau, Alaska. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Dandruff protection that's never not working. Head & Shoulders scalp shield technology. T. Madden & Associates is a sophisticated and experienced law firm located in your neighborhood. We're turning injury to cash. T. Madden & Associates obtained almost $2 million for my injury. They turned my injury to cash. Now, we can't guarantee how much your injury is worth, but we've recovered millions for our clients. Call T. Madden & Associates at 833-PAID-123. That's 833-PAID-123. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah. And who the ball, So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir. And pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Professor Bishop and Professor Washington. Let's get back into this SWAC championship game. It's the big one. Somebody's going to come out of there with a championship trophy representing the SWAC, and they actually get their ticket to Atlanta for the Celebration Bowl. As you see in this matchup, it is Prairie View versus FAMU. Prairie View comes in with the record of 6-5, and 6-2, and two, two, and Rattler is the number one. Been, Rattler, been number one for most of the year, other than when Central was claiming their fame to the number one spot. That being said, Fram U comes in dominating the SWAC, at least in terms of records, if nothing else. 8-0, 10-1 overall in the season. 
With that being said, I want to look at this from an offensive perspective. I'm going to start with you, Charles. In terms of offensive side of the ball, let's start with FAMU. What are your thoughts in terms of what FAMU does offensively? Uh, tremendous in terms of their, their wide receivers, uh, their skill position guys, and then having a quarterback uh, who can get the ball to them. Uh, we uh, watched them really uh, dissect uh, Texas Southern the second half of their game, and they got it done with the running game. I, I thought that was very impressive. But uh, just when you take a look at the, the talent on, on, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, even the offensive line, they, they, they are a gritty bunch uh, that uh, does a great job in terms of protecting Jeremy Musa. Uh, so I, when you take a look at Bam, you know they they check all the boxes on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, but there is you know uh, a, a metric that people need to make sure that they uh, keep a look at uh, on Saturday, and then we're looking at ninety percent rain. Uh, so that's that's definitely going to affect the passing game. The stuff when you talk about the offensive player of the year, Jeremy Musa from FAMU, he also has a lineman, Cameron Colvin, that has been getting it done. It is represented by the first team offense in terms of what that looks like. So, Mike, what are your thoughts in terms of FAMU from an offensive perspective? What do you see? Hmm. A couple of data, couple of data points that that stick out on me. If you're talking just overall team stats, and if you look at it, you know FAMU is okay on the Russian side. If you look at overall, you know stats. You know, I think they finished it was Texas Southern, Grambling, Preview, Jackson State somewhere. FAMU was somewhere in the middle and total rushing offense. But their defense against the rush, 88 yards, 88 yards. They're allowing 88 yards rushing, which means their defensive line, their linebackers are tuned in to, you know, stop, stop the rush. Um, but offensively, you know, on the rushing side, they're good. Now, if you look on the passing side, it's a totally different story. Guess who's number one in passing offense? Guess, yeah, fam, fam, you. They're uh, 240, 250 yards uh, a game. So you throw that with, you know, the mediocre yards offense. Then you go back. I looked at their three or four last games. Their split between running and pass is approximately 64 to 34%. So they're pretty much two thirds passing and the rest running unless it's, unless the offensive scheme or the defensive scheme changes. So they're strong on both sides. They tend to lean toward the passing uh, side. And that's why, you know, Moose, you know, Musa is who he is. He's, he's, uh, you know, offensive player of the year for the SWAC. Uh, and, and, and their offensive side is just completely balanced. Uh, they have a plethora of running backs and receivers. Uh, they can go in the cupboard and go down to number two or number three. It's not just one or two individuals. So they're very strong on the offensive side. Yeah, that's cool. When you talk about it, it's a lot of power that both of you all are talking about there. Let's go to the other team. Going to prayer view. Um, with that being said, Mike, sticking with you, what are your thoughts in terms of prayer view on the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, so so – so Prairie View is almost just the opposite. If you look at it, you know, their offense, they're 160 yards rushing offense a game on average. Um, but if you look at passing, you know, they're not they're not as high up in the stats as well. Um, so their their balance tends to be on the other side, tend to be a little bit more heavy on the run side than on the pass side. 
And in games that they've lost, they've been made one-dimensional. We said that earlier again. So I think for them, uh, they will have to to have a better mix. And if you look at their last three or four wins, uh, if you look at the mix of yards they've had, it's been a more balanced attack between offensive and defensive. So if you get Conley comfortable, who's done a great job, uh, they have him. And if they use him more on the RPO uh, plays as well, uh, they can be a lot more effective. Prairie View also don't let it be, don't let it, don't don't let it slip. Now they also have a plethora of running backs as well that can hurt you. They have Caleb Johnson, they have Brooks, they have uh, Young, they have Murray. They they have a plethora of of backs. You have uh, Trajan Spiller at receiver. You have Ronald Young, and I'm going off the top of my head, but they have a plethora of folks, both at the running back and the receiving. It's just that for whatever reason, their game sends the slant a little bit more toward, toward the running side. You heard Charles mention the rain. If it rains heavily, that does favor a team that runs well uh, or has a running-based offense. So we'll see how that plays out uh, this Saturday. It's going to be interesting when you talk about that rain. It's talking about 85%, 90%. It's not likely that's going to clear. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that affects the game in general. Uh, also, Charles, as I go to you to talk about, about this, you spoke uh, about the offensive line and how it's a veteran offensive line. One mm-hmm. of those gentlemen was Eric Dunn, offensive lineman, the 6'7", 275 redshirt senior, Arctic cultural major uh, first team swag in terms of him showing his talent. Again, what do you think about Prairie View from an offensive perspective? Uh, from an offensive perspective, I don't think it's any secret that the strength is in the running game. When you take a look at Caleb Johnson, Mont Antoine, Demarius Brooks, between the three of them, uh, they've rushed for uh, over 1,100 yards. Uh, and I think when you take – and I go back to the Alabama State game because uh, it's very nuanced when you take a look at the statistics. Trazon Conley, 5 of 11 – uh, for 109 yards in a game. But Prairie View had 42 rushing attempts from Caleb Johnson, Jamarius Brooks, Trayson Conley, Anamod, Antoine, and David Murray, the, the, the tight end, uh, probably had a, a couple carries on some short yardage deals there as well. But I think the Alabama State game was very much a template for what you're going to see uh, in the FAMU game. Uh, I think, you know, when you sort of limit, if you will, uh, uh, throwing the ball downfield, which is not to say that Trezon can't because we've seen it over the past few weeks. Shamar Savage and Chris Heron yeah. have come up huge uh, with regards to Prairie View's uh, passing game. But I think the strength undoubtedly was is within this veteran, uh, nasty offensive line, Allen Jones, Chance Jones, uh, Danny Joseph, Arrington Taylor, uh, Eric Dunn, Pedro De Silva, Kobe Lewis, all those guys. They've been here. They've done it before. One of the things that Coach Bubba McDowell said coming into the season was that offensive line, uh, they're a veteran group. They've been there. They've done that. They've seen it. Yep. Uh, remember, just two years ago, they played in front of 50-some-odd thousand people uh, in, 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 in at Jackson State. The stage will not be too big for Prairie View's offense. So I, I really do believe that th- this game is a lot closer than what the pundits are saying it's going to be. And like I said, 42 rushing attempts against Alabama State. Alabama State's only given up uh, a little bit less than 100 yards a game. They're number two in the, in the swag in terms of, of rushing defense. I think there are some similarities when you take a look at Alabama State and FAMU, and I think you'll see the exact same blueprint going into this game. 
Let's take our next break. We'll come back on the other side and we'll get into the major division with some changes in the major division. So we will drop that today. You've heard about the ranking from Prairie View and FAMU, but let's see the rest of the rank rankings after this next break. This is Brian Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. Compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah, and who the ball, who the ball. So listen to Professor Yes Sir and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Khalil with Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Let's get into these top poll rankings. Week number 13. Got some changes in here. We have the same top seven. We do have a new entrant in terms of receiving votes. Uh, we have Southern Jaguars that have moved up uh, ahead of Tennessee State with their victory in the Bayou Classic. Finished the season at six and five, five and three, 169 points. Tennessee State slides a spot at six and five, two and four overall, 150 points. And Grambling State is at number 10 and 5 and 6, 4 and 4, overall 147 points. Uh, with that being said, let's get into the top seven. With the top seven, at number seven, you have Jackson State Tigers, 7 and 4, 5 and 3, 175 points. They stay at the top, top seven spot in week number 13 as their season is complete. At number six, you have Alabama State Hornets, who's on a ride. But they lost that last game, the Prairie View, where they are at number six, six and four, five, and 380 points. But they stay in that sixth position uh, as their season is complete as well. At number five, Alcorn State Braves, seven and four, six and two, 191 points. They remain at the five spot. Bringing us to number four, Prairie View and Panthers are six and five, six and two, 192 points remaining in the fourth spot. This is where we get some change. In week number 13. The third spot is North Carolina Central, the Eagles, nine and three, four and one. Great season and a tough loss in the playoffs. Really a lot went changed as they were leading at that game at the halftime and really moving forward in the game uh, against the Richmond Spiders until Richard seemed to bang himself up and get a little hurt and nicked up in that play where he scored to go up 21 points. But they're at 220 points. And they fall from the two spot as number two, as you may imagine, is the Howard Bison. Six and five, four and one, 214 points. Did not play this last weekend as they're waiting to see who they will play in the celebration boat to close everything out. But they did have that crucial victory uh, in the second to the final week of the regular season over North Carolina Central. Then they followed up with a big win in Morgan State to clinch that bid to win the MEAC and be the team representing the MEAC in the celebration mode. Brings to number one. The number one team continues to be in unanimous voting context at the number one position. is Florida a and Rallis, 10-1, 8-0, 12 first place votes, 252 points. They will be favored in this matchup, and if they're able to get past Prairie View, 
you have to imagine they all will be favored in the celebration bowl. Can they get it done with everything ahead of them? Uh, they have deserved their ranking this year in a perfect position. Can they close things out is the big question of the day in a lot of ways. With that being said, Charles, what are your thoughts in terms of the top seven rankings in week number 13? Can't argue whatsoever. I mean, FAMU is deserving uh, number one going into this week. Uh, and when you take a look at them, uh, they are that monster. <laughs> uh, so it, it is going to be a, a, a daunting task for Prairie View to knock off this tough uh, FAMU uh, Rattler team. Uh, all headwinds are pointing in their direction in terms of getting to celebration bowl. But, oh, boy, we got to play a game on Saturday. It's going to be a fun one. Good point. Good point. Great comments. People flirting with this game and looking at the next game. Uh, you have Silas Edward Beckmore says two of our top players didn't play in the first game against FAMU. Uh, he thinks that'll be a difference. Brandon King has already sent preview to Celebration Bowl. Or let me say, he said if they get passed. So he did clarify that. He said you got the one running game from Preview. He said it doesn't get any easier for FAMU if they get past it with Howard including Ed and James. Great point that he makes there. It will be fascinating. They will have a game where they'll get a chance to test up their ability to stop the run in this matchup. When they get past it, they'll have to do it again. With that being said, that's why the games are played. Mike, what are your thoughts in the top, top seven with all that being said? No, no, no uh, nothing whatsoever. I, I think you hit it spot on uh, with that. I think FAMU is deserving. They're the big kid on the block. They are sitting in the driver's seat, the catbird seat. Uh, they're the bullet that needs to be hitting the nose. So uh, they're flexing. I think, you know, Prairie View is going to have to take the approach. If you saw Rocky three, Rocky goes against Club Alley, uh, <laughs> a.k.a. Mr. T. He's big, but you, 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 you're going to have to outbox him. So, um, so we'll see how the matchup goes. But, you know, FAMU is deserving. North Carolina Central, unfortunately, fell short. I didn't see all of the game, but it looked like when uh, Travis Richard got, got hurt, it looked like it just changed the complexion of the game. So, that and, and I don't have any, you know, X's and O's or whatever, but it looked like when he stumbled or, or hurt himself, it looked like it just changed it. So, um, no, no, with one, two, three, or four, uh, or five, no one so ever. So your poll hit it this week, Doc. I ain't got nothing to say. I appreciate that, Mike. And with that being said, you brought up the driver's seat. Guess what we got here? We got an 18-wheeler that will be headed to Atlanta. Moving into week 14. We have FAMU. How put in the driver's seat? You see Prairie View is up there, though. Uh, they're just waiting to see if they can bump off. A live matchup, see if they can bump off FAMU to get into that driver's seat in that matchup. It'll be fascinating to see what that looks like. With that being said, let's go to our last break. We'll come back on the other side. We'll get back to the SWAC Championship game featuring Preview and Pathos and the FAMU and in Rattlers. We'll look at the special teams, particularly in this rain that both of you had talked about. That could be intriguing. There's oftentimes a lot of hitting yards, field position. Due to the special team, field goals, extra points could be crucial and important. I want to see what these gentlemen have to say. With that, stick with us as we'll be right back after this last break. When it comes to professional learning, teachers deserve better. From the leader in online learning, Stride brings you the Stride Professional Development Center, an on-demand library of mobile-friendly courses that gives teachers choice and flexibility 
allowing them to learn anytime and anywhere. Our dynamic courses provide bite-sized learning and help educators advance their knowledge while also gaining professional development hours. It's time you take charge of your learning. Visit us today to get started. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. Compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gonna tell you if your team, if they wanna love love and who the ball, so listen to Professor Yes Sir and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, let's look at this special teams play. Uh, always key in terms of these matchups as we look at this last segment. I'm going to go to you, Mike, in terms of special teams play. Let's start with Prairie View from your perspective. What do you see from a special teams perspective with Prairie View? Well, I think if you look at, at kicking, uh, and then and, and you know they they're kind of in the middle of the pack. They've had I've won what two a uh, couple of games on uh, you know point after no, I'm sorry three point attempts uh, in their kicking game. So I think their kicking game is strong. If and, you know if that's what you're asking, they have what three strong kickers, I believe. Because the only reason I know that is we actually got the kicker wrong. Earlier this year, when they won against TSU, <laughs> so we didn't have a local broadcast. <laughs> so, so, but I do know that you know they they've won a couple of games off of their strong, uh, uh, I guess, field of kickers. Um, they all they have one that's more of a distance guy, and I, the name escapes me right now. The other thing is is if you look at you know kind of the return game. And if you look at, you know, how, how they stand on the return, uh, they they actually are kind of middle of the pack, whereas as FAMU is actually kind of more toward the top of the ticking game. And where that comes into play is if you have, you know, a wet ball or whatever, the ball typically doesn't go that far. So it may neutralize the game. But the other thing, I re- if you recall, Coach Simmons at Prairie View was very strong on that third leg, on that um, – special teams. So I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe has a couple of plays up his up his sleeve. But Prairie View on the other side has a very strong kicking game. They and and against the returns, they've given up a couple of big plays. So you kind of scratch your head and you kind of like, ooh, they gave up a serious return on their kickoff. So something that Prairie View has to work on in, in that aspect of the game. Good stuff when you talk about the special teams uh, it'll be fascinating to say with that uh, said, obviously it was Villa Gomez 
Yes. Yeah. Neil Gomez, yes. Oh, that, it ultimately yeah. is the difference between Prairie View making this road trip to Tallahassee versus Alcorn State making yep. road yeah. trip to Tallahassee. Probably Charles, good. I knew you were going to spit that out there. Uh, yeah. And you can say it again because I just I yeah. know you appreciate the way it rolls off as being uh, announced of that. And you're perfectly correct in terms of not having the advantage of having a home team broadcast. But what are your thoughts in terms of Prairie View's special teams in this contest? Well, Carlos Gomez, he does have a game winner. Uh, when you talk about uh, uh, kicking game winner at Alcorn, uh, the, the big leg uh, for Prairie View is Guillermo Rodriguez. He had a 50 That's the big uh, leg, against, yeah. against uh, Mississippi Valley State. But uh, Carlos Gomez is the more accurate kicker. He's the one uh, who will get uh, probably more of the lion's share of opportunities to if there are uh, field goal opportunities for Prairie View. But when you take a look at special teams, uh, best in the business, is Cameron Gillis for FAMU. Uh, first team all swag, uh, 10 or 12 on the season. He has a, a long of uh, 44 yards, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so uh, you would tend to sort of uh, edge towards FAMU in that regard. And then they're punting. Uh, Trey Willard, uh for FAMU. He also is averaging 42 yards per kick, uh, uh, averaging 42.6 yards. Uh, uh, from the punting standpoint, uh, he has a long of 62 yards. So, uh, you know, like I said, FAMU, they check all the boxes in regards to uh, special teams as well. Uh, you did mention uh, 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 individual like Brian Jenkins. Uh, yeah. You know, he's had a couple of huge kickoff turns uh, this season with Prairie View that have been called back. Uh, but yeah. we know what sort of a dynamic individual he is. And he's an individual who can flip the field for uh, for Prairie View. So uh, that's something that you kind of have to keep in the back of your mind in terms of uh, he's been there, done that in the swag in terms of uh, of, of be playing in some big games and uh, he's dying to get the ball in his hands. So uh, it, it'll be a, a very interesting look, see with regards to special teams, but I think the edge slightly does go to FAMU in that regard. Let me stick with you, Charles, and take a little more insight in terms of FAMU um, special teams. Give a little more in terms of your thoughts in terms of what FAMU does really well on the special teams. Uh, one of the things that jumps out at me is that they they don't they don't allow uh, for, yeah. the, for for the big game for uh, for the big play to happen on special teams, and I and I think that's one thing that you just sort of uh, keep an eye on. They they they've done a good job, I believe, in in, in kickoff coverage and, and and punt coverage as well. So you don't see that big play uh, that that momentum turn play uh, that could happen with, in regards to playing a family team. That's a, a well coached, well disciplined team. You see that. Yeah. Mike, what are your thoughts in terms of you special Yeah, I, I guess I would agree. I don't know if there's a stat for that, but you don't see big plays against FAMU, and I think that's a hallmark. I, I mentioned Coach Simmons when he was at Prairie View. You know, Prairie View had a very strong, uh, you know, special teams unit, and he, he, you know, he was known for having, you know, not only a strong return game, but a strong coverage game. I think FAMU is, is nothing shy of that. So you don't see big return. As, as CB mentioned, I, I echo that 150%. You don't see big returns against FAMU. You don't see that those types of big plays against FAMU. Good stuff. Let's get into, as we close things up, get into the SWAC, um, all superlative teams. Let me go to you, Charles, in terms of offense. First team offense in terms of those superlative teams, and then we'll get into some of these individual awards as well. The first team SWAC offense. 
break it down for us. No doubt. Well, the SWAC Offensive Player of the Year is aforementioned Jeremy Musa from Florida AM. But we take a look at the first team offense. Uh, uh, Ladarius Owens, running back from Texas Southern. Uh, Jarvian Howard, running back from Alcorn. Offensive lineman Eric Dunn from Prairie View. Uh, offensive lineman Cameron Cole from FAMU. Uh, Robert Austin, also on the offensive line from Alabama State. Uh, Deontay Graham, offensive lineman for Jackson State. And Ryan Atkins, uh, offensive lineman for Arkansas Pine Bluff. They uh, round out the offensive lineman. Uh, skill positions, wide receiver Keyshawn Johnson from Alabama State. And wide receiver Montario Hunt from Alcorn State. First team all-conference all tight end was Tiberius Griffin from Alcorn State. So those were your first-teamers all SWAC. Good stuff. Congratulations to the first-team offense for SWAC. Congratulations to the second team as well. Uh, tough to make that first sec team among 12 teams in the conference. So doing some kudos work. And you shouted out, obviously, the offensive player of the year, Jeremy Musa. He will be featured in this matchup this Saturday. So it'll be interesting to see. With that being said, Mike, if you would give us the defensive first team, defensive player of the year as well. All right. Starting out with the defensive lineman, Malachi Bailey from Alcorn State. Uh, Anthony Dunn Jr. from FAMU. Uh, Sundiata Anderson from Grambling State. And uh, Kelby Givens from Southern. Uh, kind of moving back to the linebacker core, Isaiah Major, big name. Uh, FAMU, of course, Colton Adams, Alabama State, uh, Rico Dozier from UAPB or Arkansas Pine Buck. Uh, and then you go to the black backfield, you got Omar Hill Robinson from Bethune Cookman, uh, you got Kendall Bowler from FAMU, you've got Jordan Carter from Southern, and Eric Smith from Florida AM. The other thing is, you look at what's weird about this unit of the 11 players, I think there's only one or two that are from the east. I think the others are all from the west. I thought that was you I thought that was interesting. Yeah, good great point. Let's look at that individual superlatives uh, top list. Both of y'all talked about the offensive player of the year, Jeremy Musa, defensive player of the year in terms of that matchup with Isaiah Major. Both of them from FAMU. Beautiful thing. Chase Wilson, Texas Southern, newcomer of the year. Shout out to Chase Wilson over here at Texas Southern University. I literally taught his father as he came back to school and finished up his grief. So I remember Chase growing up and sneaking into some of those classes with his dad. Um, he used to sponsor, uh, and still does if you look at it, pure, sports, pure sports, I should say, in terms of the workouts that he did with his son and other athletes that he was training to go get scholarships. And actually some of them would come back uh, during the offseason to work out with him. So shout out uh, none other than uh, Chase Wilson and his father for getting it done. Newcomer of the year right there at Texas Southern University. Then you had your first of the year with Javon Robinson, Grandma State University getting it done. And old coach Willis Simmons, shotgun Willis Simmons, Florida ain't a coach of the year. Always kind to us. Uh, so as much as it is a challenge in this matchup, kudos to FAMU. It's good to see coach Willis Simmons doing well. Uh, although he switched colors, is changing and getting it done with the family rally. Shout out to Coach Willie Simmons. Charles, mm -hmm. any final statements that you want to give? I know this is the early edition. We'll have a packed house on Thursday to take even a deeper dive, but I really wanted to give folks a chance to look at it in specific units, defense, offense, and special teams. You all gave all the listeners plenty of things to think about this weekend. 
with that said, any final thoughts that you want to leave uh, as we get ready to close up the show today? Yeah, it almost sounds cliche, but uh, when you take a look at the inclement weather that we might have in Tallahassee, uh, this game does come down to uh, Prairie View's offensive line versus uh, FAMU's front seven. I, I think, like I, like I mentioned earlier, uh, you're going to see a similar template uh, to what Prairie View had against Alabama State. Uh, minimal passes, uh, but you're going to see a lot of rushing attempts. And whether it's two, three yards, they just have to keep pounding the rock uh, for Prairie View to keep that explosive FAMU offense off the field. So uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, game from that standpoint. Even if you don't get first downs, punt it deep, play a little defense, and just uh, take your chances from that standpoint. Good stuff. Good stuff, Charles. With that being said, let's see what you have to say, Mike. Any final thoughts in terms of the matchup, at least for this Tuesday? Again, we'll take a deeper dive on Thursday and see how the mix goes in regards to taking another look at different areas of this game. Mike, what do you have to say? I think it starts with Jeremy, Jeremy Musa and Trazon Conley. Uh, can, you know, can Prairie View – uh, you know, put pressure on and and make it uncomfortable for Jeremy Musa. Uh, on the other side is, you know, is Fam going to stick with their record and they're going to put as much pressure on on possible and make that side, the other side of the ball, Prairie View in this case, be one dimensional. So, I but I think I agree the battle will be won in the trenches, uh, but it also stems on who can who can shave or make the other quarterback very uncomfortable in their scheme of offense as well. So I'll leave it at that, and the rest can go back. We can uh, drive into the specifics on Thursday. Yeah, some prayer before going down there, and a lot of them will happen to be members of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. This is Founders Weekend. Something about that date, December 4th, especially yeah. when you go back to 1906, going up for 117 years ago uh, as of December 4th. That's right. Water the jewels so is buried. A little ice cold shout out uh -huh. to all those brothers. We'll be down there. I've had plenty of brothers share uh, some founding information from the local chapter in that area. Uh, Founders Day shout out to Gamma Mu Lambda chapter, uh, side side Lambda chapter. They the new chapter, obviously. Uh, Fam you uh, shout out to the, the bros. Yeah. To the bros. Yeah. To the to the bros. <laughs> Good brothers of Baby yeah, I, I just I just want to say it's been a while since I came to that to that house. Came to that house <laughs> one spring break and I whooped about five of them. <laughs> so I'm just I'm, I'm coming Shout back. Out to Ada Gamma. Be Bring the them house. on. Graduate chapters. Uh, graduate chapter up there in Dallas doing some big things. They have a fish big brother. Crop, so don't big be brother Prudential. The brothers. Uh, from Texas invading, uh, making sure we do our part to celebrate Founders Day in support of the local chapter there. So shout out, shout out to Rufus. Um, a lot of the brothers around here sending me uh, that information, sending some love, younger brothers from the chapter here. Prayer of you making sure I get that in there. And then I wanted to do another shout out to Brother Eldridge. Uh, Raymond Jr. giving me some information on this as well. Shout out to him. Lastly, Brother Vernell Trick, 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 better known as Lit. Uh, he retired recently, so I wanted to give him a special shout out on the show in terms of being able to retire at the age of 53, getting it done, much like Charles. I, I it done. understand their financial 
Just, just getting just, it done. Man, these folks here know what they're doing. Young guns getting uh, it done. I'm sitting here <laughs> stressing on free. South American folks. Y'all retiring. <laughs> Text me, calling me, man. Like, I ain't got to work. I ain't got to. Y'all go over there and play some golf, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> doing too much. And then I also want to shout out um, both Vernell and his wife, Cynthia Trigg. Um, they created their official family foundation uh, mission. Our mission is to globally empower communities through education, environmental sustainability, social and health initiatives, leveraging technology for social good. We strive to build resilience in the times of crisis. We're dedicated to preserving culture, diversity, fostering youth leadership and improving humanity, overall well-being. Through these efforts, we aim to create a lasting positive impact ensuring equal opportunities, community empowerment, and sustainable future for generations to come. Educator, principal founder, um, Cynthia Trigg, as well as Vernell, getting it done. Not just it done. in terms of pulling it out, but pushing it forward. So I wanted to give a special hey. privilege of shouting those out. And again, happy founder days to the brother before we get back on the show, in case we can't do one yeah. Sunday. Obviously, by the end, Founders Day will be on Monday. So, just wanted to officially shout that out. Shout Give that him some out. love, Charles. Let him know. Throw out the eight five. Charles, get a little ice. <laughs> Thank you for listening inside the HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. You know, we had to mess with Roy a little bit in the background. Then, yes. I am Doctor Yannickville, <laughs> Dean of HBC Sports, coming from inside the lab in the College HBC Sports with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Bill's Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Watson, Charles Bishop, every Tuesday and Thursday right here at 6 o'clock. We'll be back on Thursday, ready to give you some more information. Looks like we'll be bringing in Brian and AD, a sports rep. Uh, check us out, usually on Sundays. Uh, we will give you a Sunday as we close up the season, but we'll let you know how we're going to look for this Sunday as we'll be traveling. Uh, we'll look forward uh, to the latest news in the lab. We'll continue to give you that. Follow me. Dr. Kenyatta Bill on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. That's D-R-K-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Inside the HBC Sports Lab 1 on Twitter. Facebook and YouTube is Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you check in ONG Strike Zone, which will be on tomorrow. Certainly know that they will give you insights in all you can know about the SWAC Championship game with that crew there. Dream Big, continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Charles? Of course. My lecture. Dismiss.